everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 155th episode of the podcast, airing May 8th, 2023. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back special guest Wade Caves to join me on the program to chat about Jupiter moving into Taurus. And so we dive into the big event of the great benefic moving into the bowl's fixed Earth. And first, we muse on what, you know, what does Jupiter even represent, especially on a personal and mundane sphere, and how this passage through the slow but steady territory of Taurus will color the larger-than-life nature of this planet. Now, next, we take a trip back in time to reminisce on past chapters of Jupiter and Taurus, eventually landing in 1857 and 58 when Jupiter last shared the sign with Uranus. And lastly, we wrap up the segment by dissecting a handful of notable transits that will take place during this year-long transit and what we could expect to see under their influence. So settle in. Jupiter and Taurus is taking us somewhere with the reminder that patience is a virtue. Now, if you would like to follow along as we uh, we look through a couple charts, but most of the time you're going to see our smiling and animated faces if you watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you'd like to support this program, feel free to come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation with yours truly. You can leave a tip in my tip jar or you can sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, while you're there. And that newsletter comes out at the beginning of each month and it will tell you all that's going on in the skies for that month and it is chocked full of information. Now, today I have a special announcement about an upcoming webinar that I will be doing on Sunday, May 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific time called Overlaying Tarot with the Natal Chart. And so in this 90-minute live webinar, I'm going to be teaching you how to overlay tarot into your natal chart and to add these archetypal insights uh, into your planetary placements. And so we're going to learn how to identify what cards go with what signs and decans, how to overlay those cards to get those tarot correspondences out of your planetary positions and your angles, of course. And then we're going to look at, uh, you know, how maybe aspects or rulership play a role here. But there's so much insight to gain by looking at the tarot and astrology together. So whether, you know, you're a beginner, you're an intermediate, or you're an advanced, um, in either one of these disciplines, there is going to be something for you in this webinar. Now, this is going to be a sliding scale donation-based webinar. And so you know, that kind of depends on your financial situation. If you have less to give, that's okay. If you have more to give, uh, that you can support the community learning process, you know, that's great too. Uh, but either way, you know, just find what feels right for you and know that I appreciate the support. So to sign up for that webinar, come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can click on the webinars portion of the website and it'll take you to the registration link and the Stripe checkout. And of course, wherever you're listening to this podcast, there'll be a direct link for you to click as well. So all right, who is ready to hear all about Jupiter and Taurus? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Energetic Principles podcast. And today we have a very, very special guest returning to the program, Wade Caves. Thanks for joining Hello. me again, Wade. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
So if you uh, have been listening to the podcast for a while, you might remember um, Wade came on to talk about Saturn and Aquarius. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. That was hard to forget. Maybe not yeah. that podcast, but that drinks it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all over the place for quite a while. I think we're still living with some of it. So oh. yeah, Saturn and Pisces is already starting to kick up some interesting themes. So, you know, that ship is moving on, but you know, here we are, we're getting ready for what's going on with Jupiter today, right? That is right. So the, our program here today is talking about Jupiter moving into Taurus, which is, you know, whenever a slower mover moves anywhere else than where it's been, it's somewhat of some big news here. Um, and yeah. so we are going to be talking about Jupiter and Taurus. So Jupiter's wrapping up its Aries stay, um, which felt pretty eventful um, mm. in in many regards. Any mm. any insights into Jupiter in Aries? Uh, seeing it on the, the tail end? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Well, yeah, we are on the tail end of it now. And um, it's starting to, you know, wind things back up. It's been an interesting period with um, Jupiter and Aries that it tends to be a period of, um, typically it tends to be periods where um, seeds are sown for, for, you know, economic strength, but it tends to not be evenly distributed. So the thing with Jupiter and Aries is it tends to touch a few places and really kind of bring a lot of, um, you know, room and excitement to uh, a very select uh, um, set of themes. So Jupiter and Taurus should be a little bit more, I think, democratic and a little bit more broadly experienced, although, you know, there's risks and rewards that come with this as well. But yeah, Jupiter and um, Jupiter and Aries is also, I think, the, the, the heat that we had in Aries uh, contributed with Jupiter's passage to the um, runaway inflation experiences that we've had and the impact that uh, many uh, everyday households have had. I mean, you can see potato chips now that used to be one twenty nine, three, four, five dollars in the markets anymore. You know, it's it's um, impacting all of us, and I think in many respects causing us to question how much we consume. You know, in many places we find that maybe we're not spending more. Uh, in terms of a grocery bill, but we are taking home less and finding in some cases that we're doing okay. Um, that won't be the case for everybody. I mean, there are places in the world um, where, uh, you know, grain manufacturing and what was going on with agriculture, um, this uh, situation where you've got a primary export for a developing nation, it has a big impact on how those folks are feeling it. So it's been uh, not an evenly felt kind of transit, you know, and uh, yeah. I'm interested to see what happens when we swing away from Mars's sign, because, you know, so much of this transit coincided with Mars being in Gemini, Mars being oh, yeah. retrograde. There wasn't as much shift as we normally get. You know, Mars only was in two, maybe three signs during Jupiter's passage through Aries. Um, and then when Jupiter moves to Taurus, there'll be a lot of movement because Venus, its dispositor, will be traveling with the sun. So there will be at least the full circle. Um, so, yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Even some of the things you just brought up, <laughs> brought up right now, um, really tie into some uh, themes with looking back at Jupiter and Taurus, and especially oh, yeah. when Jupiter was in Taurus, when Uranus was in Taurus too. So maybe we'll circle back around to that. Um, but before we get too far into like talking about all the meat of uh, Jupiter and Taurus, Wade, tell tell the people who you are. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I didn't make it onto the Ninja Turtles. Um, I didn't make it onto the Elite Power Rangers Force. 
And so I grew up and decided to be, and I did, I wasn't part of Captain Planet's team either. So, you know, I had to kind of represent um, a very different energy and become an astrologer. <laughs> um, I don't know why I thought about like all the boy bands that were actually TV shows just then, but anyway, um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an astrologer. I live in Brooklyn. I've had a number of careers, um, working in financial planning, investment, um, planning, um, in the retail industry, and then moved into working with infrastructure and data science, um, and consulting. And that was a very, uh, exciting time in my, in my life. COVID, uh, you know, kind of shook some things up for me in particular, it shook up things related to my work life. Um, and I was able to make the leap into being an astrologer full time. So it, it, it all, you know, in that sense, it kind of worked a little bit in, in my favor. Um, and, uh, so I've been practicing astrology full time since then, since 2020. And, um, and, uh, I, I work principally with, you know, I teach horary astrology. I teach astronomy through the school of traditional astrology. I work with traditional methodologies. Um, but I like working in pretty much every branch of, branch of astrology. So horary elections, natal astrology, I've been spending a lot of time with mundane astrology lately. That brings me a lot of pleasure and joy as well. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit wonderful. About yeah. I love some, some good mundane astrology, right. You know, oh, the yes, yes. astrology of the world and you yeah. guys sign up for, uh, Wade's newsletters because, you know, oh. I watch you get inspired by, you know, some sort of, you know, world event and all of a sudden yeah. this, you want to know about it? Wade's going to tell you about it. <laughs> it's going to come <laughs> yeah. out in, a, in this impromptu <laughs> newsletter that will tell you everything that's going on. And they're really fascinating to read. Oh, um, and I remember even just the first time I, I ever was in, introduced to you uh, at the San Diego uh, Astrological Society, you were going to come speak. And it wasn't, you weren't even there yet. You, this was like a couple months in ahead. And I remember our vice president at the time, Loda Shaw, who is just oh. this fascinating, uh, just love this, love this man. Um, yeah. A story of his own. But I remember he, him being like, oh, I have booked Wade Caves and the excitement in his eyes of like what you were going to bring to the table. And he's like, he's this is so a sweet. smart young man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's very sweet. He was, I remember him well, cause he was so helpful in planning, uh, and helping me coordinate with, uh, the SDAS. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, um, yeah, a, uh, an exciting introduction to Wade and yeah. you, uh, did not fail to deliver. So <laughs> sweet. <laughs> all right, well, let's get, so, I mean, you said, just said you were spent time in like financial, like planning and yeah. like, yeah. I feel like this, this tourist business. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it seems that way. I mean, the work that I did was, um, you know, I worked for a retailer and I would help them figure out like, if they said, you know, I got 2 billion to spend over the course of a year where, sorry, 2 million to spend or a hundred million to spend 500 million to spend, how would I spend it? You know? And so my job was to build, you know, some kind of compelling case around how that money should be spent to make more money, you know, but there's a little, you know, that's not entirely different from Jupiter and Taurus. Yeah. There's yeah a bit that's, it's fascinating. Um, thinking mm. about that, not even knowing that about you, but thinking like, I want to talk to Wade about this. So <laughs> that being said, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, just to give some, some brief introduction of Jupiter and Taurus, that ingress is going to happen on May 16th here, uh, yeah. 2023. So we are only, uh, I think when this episode airs, it will be 
about uh, less than 10 days out from it ingressing, but it's going to be there in one, uh, you know, straight shot all the way through Taurus until May 25th of next year, 2024. So there won't be any of this kind of dancing in and out. We are just going to, you know, in Mm -hmm. true Mm -hmm. fixed Taurus fashion, we're just going to see it all the way through. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if this would help any of the listeners. I, I, I'm going to assume somebody wouldn't know this, the, the determination about whether Jupiter turns retrograde or doesn't and how fast it moves. Do you remember how fast it moved through Aquarius? I mean, it just, Uh, you know, just like blink of an eye. Yeah. Blink of an eye. Uh, it's, it's very similar with Aries, you know, how, how quickly, um, you know, it's moved through, but Taurus is going to be fast as well. The way that you determine how swift it's going to be is how close it is to the sun when the, when it begins. So um, if it's very close to the sun, when it makes its ingress, the planets are always fastest when they're next to the sun. So if it starts fast, it could possibly move through the entire sign before the sun brings itself back around to uh, a retrograde kind of issue. Or if it usually there's going to be a retrograde in the middle, you know, but it's technically possible that it can just zip right on through and have to come back into the sign later because it was too fast. Yeah. How fascinating. That actually brings up some questions that were <laughs> were asked between a, a few friends, uh, astro friends of mine uh, a couple months mm. ago. And you just answered okay. that question when we were trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very helpful, I think, sometimes to think about, you know, work when you work with electional astrology. And mundane astrology is the same. Natal astrology is the same. Uh, the placement of, of, of a planet is like a seed being implanted somewhere. And um, when the planet moves very quickly through its sign, it's an indication of um, confidence. It's an indication of uh, ability. It's an indication of uh, it usually speed is in, in motion is indicative of being in good health. But if it mm. is going almost too fast, you also get the sense that this certain thing that's been seeded might not be long living. It might I mean, not be yeah. lasting, you know, or if, this, you know, maybe for instance, you actually planted a seed back when Jupiter was in Pisces. And so now Jupiter is coming to the sextile, or maybe it was when Jupiter was in cancer. And now Jupiter is coming to this, you know, the sextile from the other side, um, or another earth sign, then it's a trine, whatever the deal is, the seeds that were planted there, if it's moving too quickly through it, it means also that the harvest that we get back from it isn't long lasting as well, that it might be something that's very um, potent and very strong and possibly more valuable, but it will not linger you know it's not going to be this drawn out kind of effect so the speed of a planet is helpful in both in terms of reaping and selling how interesting because immediately when you're saying that came to mind just thinking back to jupiter's time in capricorn and especially all mm-hmm. the grand conjunctions with and with Plu- like pluto that was a busy time that, that was really that was and it just well i mean obviously the whole world <laughs> the yeah. whole world changed with with yeah. that transit but it did stay the course did it did it go in and out i think it it no it, i don't it, think it was it much did. like I, taurus where it stayed yeah. the course in there and so i was just thinking getting to this trine position from that time um mm-hmm. she'll be interesting in yeah. in my mind um yeah. But so we're talking all about Jupiter, right? You know, Jupiter is the star of uh, today's program. So let's think a little bit about the nature of of Jupiter. And so when I say Jupiter, Wade, what does that mean to you? Well, the first thing I usually think of is Santa Claus. Um, And I do, I I know it sounds like a joke, but it's, I think it's a perfect uh, caricature of a Jupiterian type of character. Jupiter is... um, 
wide, not lean. You know, it 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 is the image of abundance on the land. There's something about Santa Claus that uh, you know is always pictured. You know, big, happy, jolly, big belly laugh, rosy cheeks. You know, wise, not young. So this is always you know uh, it's you know wisdom and generosity mixed together. And we have this whole thing about belief in Santa Claus, which is mm. itself a very strong Jupiterian term. Uh, sorry, term. So. Santa Claus to me seems to be like a really good metaphor. Uh, there are so many feelings of excitement that are evoked in individuals when they see images of Santa Claus. But, you know, also when you think about it a lot, Santa Claus, you know, it it, it throws um, a really good question on the value and role of belief. It throws a good question on, you know, where we create images uh, to celebrate instead of placing like the parents, for instance, are the ones that are creating what what what's so wrong with children being grateful to their parents? You know, why did we have to create a fictional character to place um, gratitude upon, you know? And so I think that there's an interesting image that comes with that. But Jupiter is it's a hot planet. It likes to keep things in motion. And also because it's a moist planet, it's a planet that is um, known to bring cohesion, bring things together. And so it has a reputation for, um, you know, kind of bringing life and vibrancy and color to things. The medical astrologers would say that Jupiter is the type of planet that never worries the mind. It doesn't produce anxiety. It doesn't produce uh, despair or distress but it can wreak uh, complete havoc on the body. It can cause all sorts mm -hmm. of issues with the blood. It can cause issues with the liver. It can cause issues um, uh, also just with, um, you know, the principle of accumulation in the body full stop. So whether we're talking about, it could be weight, but it could also be things like tumors or any kind of growth or things that come into the body and accumulate without understanding maybe that a boundary in some way has been crossed, if that makes sense. Mm. But typically... Jupiter, feel free to interrupt me. Also, no, I'm just thinking. I'm just imagining this. You know, the things that go unchecked, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the body, and like the boundary being crossed, and then yeah. it just gets whether that is dealing with you know obesity or like a fatty liver, like think about the, yeah. <laughs> the fatty liver. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, Not, <laughs> those things are completely united. The Santa Claus theme was very interesting to me, and you talking about, um, <laughs> especially Jupiter. Oh, you know, having that. Because in my mind, Jupiter is always moving forward, right? That's the kind of the idea of expansion, and you're gonna you're gonna get something out of Jupiter, right? Because it's it's not a stagnant sort of energy. And so I think about Santa Claus and the whole the theme of you know, are you gonna get a gift? Or are you gonna get yeah. a lump of coal? You know, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. this. well, and also when Jupiter moves over, Jupiter is about expanding. But if Jupiter tries to expand something that is in a period of stagnancy. Mm -hmm. That isn't necessary. I mean, Jupiter is a buoyant energy. It likes to lift us up. It gives us, you know, um, some upward momentum. But if the upward momentum still isn't enough to lift somebody into action or to embrace principles of expansion, then Jupiter's passage over that individual's or that set of circumstances is going to be inclining towards wastefulness and um, indulgence and uh, lethargy and possibly, uh, you know, as a result of just a feeling of, um, you know, ick, you know, like things are kind <laughs> of uh, just 
um, you know, kind of growing incursively towards itself and not because it's trying to expand, but if there's no out to expand into, then what happens is it takes that impulse and reaches inward. And sometimes it can create a bit of a, a funny, um, set of feelings. I mean, it, you know, at, a, at its extreme, you know, Jupiter brings themes of hyperbole and, you know, it, arrogance, wastefulness, exaggeration, all those kinds of things. The superior planets, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, they don't, um, they tend to cause their own downfall one way or the other. I mean, Mars and Saturn, it's obvious how they might do this. Mars, usually it's going to be some violent theme, rash, impatience, anger, blah, blah, blah. With Saturn, it's going to be just, you know, operating out of fear, full stop. Whereas with Jupiter, there can be an operating out of false hope or, you know, operating and assuming that luck is enough or that things will just work out not enough attention to detail. We expand bigger and bigger. I mean, how many companies go under because they got too big? That was the only reason. Yep. You know, expansion isn't always a good thing. And um, and that's not really what our economic models respond to. Our economic models equate growth with good. And so there's already, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but when Jupiter makes its ingress into Taurus, it's got to hit Pluto by uh, yep. square. It's going to hit that opposition or square again with Mars as a T-square with these. Yep. And, you know, that is a good signature of, ballooning and balloons getting popped, you know, uh, and I, and, and a crisis of confidence that can come off the back of that. You're never going to have a hard aspect with Jupiter that doesn't invite doubt. Mm. Yeah. There are some industries very susceptible to that, like banking, for instance. Well, and that's the whole thing with, that's what drives the the stock market as a whole, right? You know, you, you throw some doubt in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, things can go topsy turvy, um, depending on you know who who mo- mostly maybe who pulls out. You know how things start moving, right? You know because I think that seems to be the theme here is that yeah. something you know something is progressing, whatever that might mean. You know yeah. it's progressing in some way, which can be good, can be yeah. challenging. Um, but yeah, those are all great you know, themes to start thinking about Jupiter here. Mm. So any, like, if we think about personal versus mundane, uh, Jupiter, um, especially mundane, you know, you've been, you've been journeying that mundane life here recently. And so where do we see Jupiter in, uh, the, the mundane world? Yeah, I think it's very similar, both in natal and mundane, uh, applications, but, you know, this is the planet of the philosopher, of the spiritual leader, of the of the judge, of courts, of justice, you know, a natural sense of justice. Um, and I think uh, where Jupiter shows up, you know, both in a, in a birth chart and uh, in mundane astrology is going to be talking about these themes of human advancement. Yeah. Um, I, I'm try, I'm hesitating. I don't want to say expansion of consciousness because I remember when I started out with astrology, that phrase didn't mean anything to me. I'm like, what do people mean by that? And they would throw it out like we are all on the same page about that. But I I think what it points to is um, better ability to 
put pieces of the puzzle together or to attempt to put pieces of the puzzle together. It doesn't matter what puzzle we're looking at. It doesn't matter what the pieces look like. The idea is that we're beginning to amalgamate and make sense of more and more. Um, and you can see that uh, in, in mundane you know, transits. I would expect anything uh, you know, with this Jupiter and Taurus, I'm going to expect it to be touching on institutions that have some relationship to this sense of growth. So you know, wealth or banking, which is all about growth, economic systems, what's going on with federal reserves. I'm expecting to see some shifts in, yeah. you know, the like global accepted global currencies, for instance. I mean, there's been so much talk. The U.S. was like the reserve currency. You know, this idea of a reserve currency, it's very earth sign. It's, I mean, I'm not trying to associate with Taurus so much, but earth is always the reserve element, you know, yeah. it is, this is the thing we can fall back on. It's the thing that cannot fail us. It is, the, it is so centrally tied to those same themes. Jupiter moving into Taurus, um, you know, or, or on a collective level, there's going to be shakeups that I think we can anticipate related to um, wealth and, and money systems. But also I'm expecting change, you know, Jupiter uh, in, um, in mundane charts, just in general, no matter what sign it's in, it seems to be making some uh, influential uh, mm, decisions in the, in, in the world of, you know, global religion, um, what's going on in the courts, international courts, what's happening in regional courts. Um, Jupiter naturally signifies famous and notorious people. So when we have like a really, like during the Me Too movement, I believe Jupiter was either in Scorpio or Cap I think it was Scorpio. in Scorpio. Yeah. yeah. And I also feel like I can't quite remember, but I feel like there was also a theme of a South Node kind of thing going on around that at the same time. But what we learned during that movement were so many individuals who were household names um, were becoming household names for very different reasons yeah. uh, at that time. And so Jupiter transits can really bring uh, attention onto the wealthy, uh, people in the upper classes. It can yeah. it can be bringing themes about class-based systems to the foreground anyway. Like Jupiter rules the gentry, right? So that old phrase, the gentry, is like the nobility, the people in the court, people who, you know, aristocracy, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so the principle of gentrification, which is happening in urban environments all around the world, is also a Jupiterian theme. It is the expansion of the Jupiter archetype in places not designed for it, not built for that and built for other uses and other purposes. So this is an example of where Jupiter expands beyond, you know, uh, healthy reach and begins to make the changes that it makes, but it also, as a result, it stirs up conflict. And so Jupiter being a hot planet, it's not free of, you know, initiating the potential for conflict. Yeah. And now, you even bringing that example up right away in my mind, just thought about thinking about, um, you know, land and property and, yeah. uh, you know, these bigger Jupiterian figures, whether they're, you know, like a lot of times we see them in today's world in, in larger companies or corporations or, mm -hmm. you know, and people just coming in and like, I'm just going to buy this. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this. And like, there's nothing left for, you know, your everyday folk to have a, a slice of that pie, uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to like land and property and, um, at least that's what just theme with and think about the Airbnb themes that are going on. And then, um, yeah, so that definitely came to mind there mm. or in my mind. 
Um, but yeah, so, you know, well, thinking I about, also think I'm just yeah, going to add on to that, just add on. Jupiter, Pluto's in Aquarius and that's yeah. an air sign, Jupiter and Taurus, it's an earth sign. I think you're spot on about, you know, real estate and physical earth, but I think this square with Pluto is also going to be kicking up things about air rights and space rights. And, mm. you know, we are starting now. I don't know if you noticed this, but on Twitter, instead of saying what device you tweeted from, it's saying what planet you tweeted from, which, what you know, planet? Yeah. So if you go on Twitter right now, you can see that it was, something was tweeted from planet Earth or the ISS. And I think the idea is to prepare the possibility of tweets coming from Mars or the moon or places that are um, off of off of Earth. One of the questions that we don't have answered for ourselves is what does governance in space look like? I know that we're not ready to answer that. But right now, it's big corporations that are making their way into the space race. It's not nations anymore. So what happens when an Amazon or a SpaceX or some other company, essentially a company with corporate values, corporate politics, corporate ends, um, becomes the first pioneer effectively into space? How much of the scene do they get to determine? You know, And so I think there's something with the square that it's going to be challenging the vertical notion of mm. right to rule. How interesting, you know, like talk about, talk about the free market of space. <laughs> mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a really big thing when we've got Jupiter and Leo in opposite to um, Pluto Aquarius. That'll be, oh. yeah. Yeah. So that's and then we're like gonna... what, four years from now, but um, yeah. And it, will, it will come soon enough. Um, and <laughs> yeah, there. that's a fascinating thing to think about because we don't, I mean, we're here on earth, right? Like how many of us are even thinking about that or or care about, I know (laughs) (laughs) gravity has kept us here. We are mired in what is right before us. Um, But it is something to think about, you know, Uh, I mean, to some extent, most of us lay people can't think about that, but preparation, you know, when we think about the bigger picture, you know, it's a very Jupiterian thing. It's like, maybe this doesn't matter right now, but this yeah. could matter in 50 years. And if you're not a- a- aware of this, you know, more detached grand view, you know, you can yeah. find yourself amongst uh, changes <laughs> that come later on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it could affect everyone. Mm-hmm. So, well, personally, I don't want to live on Mars or tweet from Mars or I don't even I don't, tweet. I don't so think I'm I not... would either, but if it was safe and it had a good track record, I would definitely be interested we, in we, space tourism. Find... We find weight on Mars. Yeah, I just I don't know that I want to go to Mars, but I want to be out in space. I want to see what that's like. I, yeah. I just feel like I want to see Earth from the outside. I don't care about anything else. The Earth and the Moon. I mean, this is my home. That's that's all. It's just like it's like getting a helicopter tour of your own city. Like yeah. it's not something you probably would like think about doing, but I bet you'd love it if you did it. It's that kind of thing. It's very Aquarian of you. <laughs> You're like, let me see it from the outside. Let me, uh, let me rise the above. stay up here. <laughs> we'll see I hear how there's that no rent out. payments that are due out in space. So that makes a big and, difference. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. Let, let BlackRock get up there and let's see how that changes. <laughs> yeah. So that that's interesting here. Um, so, well, let's think about, you know, t- Jupiter. we're talking all about Jupiter. We've hinted mm-hmm. on Taurus. You brought up uh, with Jupiter and Aries, you know, being that Mars ruled sign. What can, how can we add in the fact that, you know, once Jupiter moves to Taurus, we are looking at more of a, a Venusian Jupiter. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, how does Venus as a ruler uh, influence Jupiter? Would you, would you think two benefics hanging out? <laughs> yeah. Jupiter in Aries, I think is a good energy because it invites 
uh, and like doubles down on Jupiter's heat signatures. Mm. And I think that can be really valuable in the development of a lot of things. Of course, though, it heat is going to bring in themes of conflict and where Venus and Jupiter have something united are themes of moisture um, and themes related to cohesion, social cohesion. So with um, Taurus, I mean, things in general are expected to become doubly temperate. I mean, May, uh, you know, the, the the period of the like Turian influence, I mean, it's going to be what end April, beginning of May. I mean, like this is a, uh, a time um, of uh, temperate weather, seasonal weather. And so this, this sign has, um, because it's ruled by Venus and now Jupiter is going through it, there's going to be a great deal of temperance that we can expect through uh, these kind of passages. So it tends to be like when Jupiter goes into the earth signs, it tends to show good yields coming from the earth and also a good time to invest back into the earth. So, you know, crop yield, I'm watching things uh, agriculturally. I'm, I'm hoping that prices of grains, especially in, you know, grain producing and exporting countries that rely on that economically, I'm hoping to see um, that we're starting to see some favorable conditions about um, prices of grains, um, prices of uh, cash crops, and then also their um, distribution and, and supply chain networks. But it's also, you know, Jupiter in Taurus is good for global fertility mm-hmm. as well, um, especially if Venus's phase also indicates an increase in fertility. So when Venus is waxing or making an application to the sun, in either cases, that is increasing themes of global fertility. Um, I think also because Venus is an inferior planet, Jupiter is a superior planet. There's this symbolic kind of theme here about um, respect extending between the upper powers and the lower powers. Mm. Um, I think the upper powers, uh, you know, to me, I'm thinking about people that we would traditionally define as in power, but the lower powers or the, maybe the more common powers is maybe the way that I should be phrasing it. Maybe the 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 um, the unique powers and and then the common powers. That's us, you know, populations, individuals who um, you know wor- work uh, um, to sustain a nation. Um, I, to, so to me, I, I think having a you know a benefic planet like Jupiter come into Taurus. You know, Taurus is the planet that is associated with hard labor. It's the cow, you know, that's meant to have the plow on its back and carry the yoke. So I'm hoping Jupiter and Taurus is also going to be showing themes related to um, uh, unionization, better work Mm -hmm. uh, policies, um, increased improvement and labor policies generally. But Venus is also an inferior planet. And one of the things that we are starting to see come back well, or be repealed, I suppose, our child labor laws. And yeah. we're also starting to see the exploitation because Jupiter is going to be pointing you to um, the anything like Jupiter and Pluto should have this in common, that they like to point towards things ripe for exploitation where some value can come out of it. And it's because the inherent nature of Jupiter is to find value everywhere. I mean, that's what it does. It, it doesn't, there's this old aphorism that um, if a crisis hits Jupiter, it's the only planet not to sulk about it um, because it sees an opportunity to come through stronger. Every other planet has some way to whinge and moan, but Jupiter stands erect and says, it's a bummer, but I intend to make myself smarter, wiser, more powerful coming out through the other side of this. So there's an inherent desire to invest and see things kind of grow. Um, but the problem is, like, I suppose when Jupiter enters into Gemini and Taurus, that the emphasis is back to back on um, 
inferior planets and both Venus and Mercury point to um, children and people in young age at young mm-hmm. impressionable ages. So there's also a possibility that we may need to just keep, you know, a, a renewed eye on what's going on with, you know, ch- child labor laws around the world. Um, Which is interesting. Even think about like, I have never even thought about that. Thinking about Taurus to Gemini to even cancer and just mm-hmm. it being, oh, that, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, yeah. that stretch of the stretch of the inferior. <laughs> yeah, actually that's a good point. And then, um, you know, but, Taurus points, like all the earth signs do, it points to the south. And so um, it also indicates that power is shifting from the east to the south. Now, I don't know what that means specifically, but we're moving Mm. from the east, which is Aries, and then Taurus is east by south. So there's still a little bit of eastern influence, but the power and good luck tends to start moving toward the south. So um, that could be, we could be talking about um, more focus or, you know, greater influence on the southern parts of regions, nations, cities. Um, but oh, I mean, that is fascinating. Okay. I'm gonna hold that. Keep going. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but that, that's what it suggests is that there's a shift in either investment focus, you know, moving into the South a little bit more. So what I would probably anticipate for instance, is like Americans perhaps traveling. Um, I think they'll always travel to Europe for instance, but maybe there will be more increased interest in traveling to South America mm-hmm. And you can start to see then funding move from the East to the South in that kind of way. So there's just a lot of things you can think about it. I would love to get like a, a roadmap of like one airport or maybe multiple airports and the number of flights they have north, south, east, southbound, and how those change with the movement of the superior planets through the signs. You know, do we find routes that are obfuscated? Uh, to the north when Saturn's in the water signs. Maybe we start to see things open back up when Jupiter joins in the water signs because the water signs point to the north. So, you know, it's it's an interesting field of study, but there's something in there. Well, and it's interesting too, because it just depends on where you live. Because if you already live down south, that's right. You're probably not going. Like I don't know if you're yeah. going to. But even the southern <laughs> part, not, yeah. But... <laughs> well, even the southern part of your city, that's probably where you'll start to see if there's a place that ah. if there are like are three places where there's been possible development. Yeah you should bet that the South is going to get the focus over the Eastern part for Jupiter's ingress towards Taurus. It won't be universally true, but over the entire earth, if we were to take all instances of this, there would be a nudge toward the South uh, from the astrological perspective. So that's assuming that we could actually verify that in some way, but yeah. Mm. yeah. So it makes so me there wonder are places if there's in just... New York city, for instance, where I, you know, the question now we could in Brooklyn be pushing investment East, pushing investment South or North into Queens. Like mm-hmm. all these, there are areas and uh, neighborhoods in each of these areas where you can expect things to really be driven. And my anticipation is that we're going to see property prices in the slightly Southern part of Brooklyn start to increase more than the other, other areas. Yeah. Oh, and that's the fun of astrology, right? You can just kind of sit back and, and wait. But, it, you know, and, and thinking about that too, just thinking about tourism industries and if there's mm. might be a boom in, uh, you know, increased tourism in these Southern locations, whether it's uh, South America or just, you know, the Southern point of the United States or, yeah. you know, just whatever that looks like. And and yeah. hopefully that they can get, you know, reap something from that. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, that's fascinating about the South. Uh, I'm going to hold that. Yeah. We'll keep talking. I'm going to look something up, actually. I want to just see <laughs> what kind of, what places are signified by Taurus because there's, oh, yeah, there are, there's a list of them. It's an old list and I need to probably, one day I'm going to try and work on like rebuilding this. And um, Is this a, uh, a book resource that you have? 
Yeah, it's it's Lily. So he's he's um, kind of bringing themes from you know a couple hundred years before him. So Taurus points to um, uh, let's see, what is that? Two ninety seven, Sweden, Sweden, Russia, Ireland. Well, Russia is going to be going through a lot. This may be yeah. This may be a little bit of a blessing for Russia in a way because they've really tapped out. Uh, I think on um, you know collective goodwill around around the world and. Um, you know, the question is, what's the end game now? And I wonder if Jupiter and Taurus is going to be, you know, a liberating force in some way, but I wonder what that means. Ireland, Switzerland, um, you know, Iran, and then in terms of cities, there's a lot of Italian cities, German cities, but this is, you know, this is focused mostly in Europe. So it doesn't become useful for, you know, other places in the world, but um, yeah. I did think about Russia though, just because I, I know that Taurus is consi- or, uh, connected with yeah. them. And it's interesting the last time when we start to look at, you know, past transits of Jupiter and Taurus. And of course, you know, this is always the Jupiter cycle of around, you know, 12 years. So it's, it's not common, but it's not infrequent either, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the last time we had Jupiter and Taurus uh, was in 2011 and 2012. And actually, that's when Russia became part of the World Trade uh, Organization after this long after um, uh, which is funny because the ceremony was in Switzerland. No, you said Sweden was Sweden. Yeah. Sweden was on Sweden them. and Switzerland are both. No, they're both. They're uh, both on there. And so it was like yeah. it was an 18 year negotiation um, to have Russia finally added there um, yeah. because they had to make a See, deal with Georgia. Yeah, you just tapped on something that's uh, very useful in like mundane elections, which most of us are not working with like world powers to elect, you know, times and dates to do things. But yeah, if you were trying to negotiate a treaty, for instance, uh, you wouldn't just want good astrology. You'd want to go to the places where Jupiter is. So that was, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a really good example of like Jupiter being in Taurus and that being a place where, you know, things were brokered, you know, meaningfully. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. That, that is fast. Well, and then you just bringing up to where the, the country itself, because I know that wasn't that part of the, uh, you know, the situation in the last couple of years is like, you know, the trade going back between these, you know, Russia and the entire world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I like the way you put it, like, what's what's the end game here? Because... <laughs> <laughs> There's... Yeah, it might be a reckoning. I mean, it sounds like that's going to be a, a Jupiter transit to, you know, that moment in time. And there's going to be some questions about what that looks like. Yeah. Another yeah. interesting thing that happened uh, during that last cycle was the whole, um, the Occupy Wall Street movement. Yeah. That I was came actually up. thinking about Occupy Wall Street the other day. I was taking a look at some of the astrology related to that. And it was an interesting time because it, it's like one of, it was huge. I'm not sure what it accomplished. Um, (laughs) You know, I don't know. People say, oh, it definitely had an impact. I don't know it. I think it was, um, you know, an additional bucket of water, you know, that's pushing up against the dike, you know, and maybe there's, um, you know, just more pressure as a result of glowing or growing appreciation about these kind of themes, socioeconomic themes. But well, you know, Jupiter and Taurus, though, has coincided with a lot of things related to markets. I mean, most of the time when Jupiter is in Taurus, what we see is an increase in general prosperity. But then when it enters into Gemini, there tends to be a crash thing. It's like there was mm-hmm. almost something kind of grows, 
um, in the couple of years that lead up into Jupiter's ingress into Gemini. And that's where it experiences stability for the first time in the natural zodiac, for instance. So it's like if you were to count from Pisces and you can always do this where you start with the planet's own home sign, it's almost in a way like it kind of begins from there. It's its own like home space on the game board. And so once it leaves Pisces, Jupiter rules Pisces. And once it leaves Pisces, it then moves in through a very, you know, two signs that are definitely pointing up and out, you know, like uh, Taurus is really like down and in. I, I understand that as an earth sign it does, but when Jupiter moves through what the influence really seems to be, Jupiter is wanting to push out. And because Taurus has such a strong association with the season of spring and new life and new growth. There's a lot of compatibility there. But then as soon as Jupiter enters into Gemini, that's where that kind of blessing and boom really starts to hit downward. I mean, when Occupy Wall Street happened, this came out of that financial crash and crisis from 2007, 8, 9, that extended into 10, 11. Then we've got 11 and 12 coming around and there was still so much unresolved from, you know, all of that pain, how much loss uh, people experienced, you know, and then by the time you come in around, um, you know, 2011, 12, 13, um, we're, we're just starting to get on the outside of the biggest, sharpest points of that pain. But the question is, why did some people win? out of that much global catastrophe, you know, and that's a question we still have not quite answered about COVID. There were a lot of companies that did extremely well profiting off of global misery. Um, and, uh, yeah, so these are the kind of things that are important to ask, but Jupiter and Taurus is not the place for it. That tends to come up Jupiter and, uh, Gemini, Jupiter Mm -hmm. and cancer. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting with some of the things that you were saying earlier about Jupiter, just not taking any type of like, you know, kind of moping about things that happen that are bad, you know, like pandemic life, we got Jupiter and Capricorn and it's, you know, uh, fall position, um, which, yeah. you know, the, the whole, the whole world and the, the economy is falling, but at the same time, here's those Jupiterian nature within certain corporations that like, Hmm, yes, this yes. looks like an opportunity to yes. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, opportunity is Jupiter's favorite word. I mean, not just Jupiter, Mars and, and Mercury love that word too, but Jupiter's definitely got its ears open for it. Yeah. But you yeah. know, some of the developments with Jupiter and Taurus have been, you know, supremely positive as well. Like there've been so many like medical advances that have been made during Jupiter and Taurus. I mean, Taurus, because it's an earth sign, you know, it's got a strong kind of correlation to the the things that make up the body, the physical body. And so it's probably not inappropriate to expect advancements in human medicine. I mean, I, I think you probably would expect that more through the air signs, but it is what it is. I mean, Jupiter being in Taurus, um, you know, we saw the uh, World Health Organization announce the eradication of smallpox. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened when Jupiter in Taurus. Um, Jupiter and Taurus coincided with the creation of the iron lung. Um, and uh, that was, you know, a heavy bit of machinery that did quite a lot of work, you know, to make sure that um, there was, um, you know, um, the ability to, you know, breathe after sustaining, you know, serious injury. Great. Well, and it's interesting because it, the Jupiter and Taurus also coincided with the announcement of a polio vaccine. Polio which, vaccine. Yeah. Yep. And then in the 20s, there was also the um, discovery of penicillin uh, that uh, coincided. But, you know, when Jupiter came to Libra in the 80s, 
different things were going on. So there's a Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto kind of Jupiter, Saturn conjunction. And then there's Jupiter, Pluto, Saturn, Pluto. There's a lot kind of going on. Libra is the leader of the air signs. And in the physical body, the air signs correspond to the blood because um, that's where oxygen is carried. That's not why. There's a lot of reasons uh, for it. But in modern understanding, people think, oh, the lungs are the air sign. No, those are the, the lungs themselves are more watery. Uh, they're very heavy and very dense and very wet. But um, with the with the blood itself, that's where oxygen is actually carried and moved and, dis- and dispersed throughout the body and, and where it goes. And it was the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that happened in the 80s and Jupiter's passage through Libra that really started off the AIDS, HIV crisis, mm-hmm. which of course at the time was RID, uh, gay-related immune deficiency. Um, and uh, that was how it was originally named. And it was a disease that was uh, in the blood, you know, and um, uh, being able to transmit that through blood or bodily fluids generally, not all, obviously. But um, so, you know, there is definitely there are themes here that correspond very um, strongly with um, public health outcomes with Jupiter and Taurus. We've got a lot of things that are kind of on the docket for us. We have um, COVID that we're coming through the back of. Um, we've also got, so, I mean, maybe we'll have, um, probably not a cure, but maybe new, new, uh, new information about the vaccine. Maybe it'll be further development on vaccines, um, not just for this, but for other, I mean, what I also know about is that with Jupiter and, um, Taurus coming up an HIV, um, vaccine is actually, uh, probably not far away right now. They're in Mm. human trials for it, you know, which is, would be huge. I mean, that would change the lives of, um, tens of millions of people, you know, around the world, uh, something incredible. So I, I guess I, you know, I'm bringing this up to say that I'm anticipating there being some kind of, um, movement on themes related to, um, uh, global health, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, something else that I, you know, came across that I loved was that um, Survivor and Big Brother both started with Jupiter and Taurus. And the thing that I want to, and also I think, um, MTV, uh, had, have something going on at the same time. Um, I think it was probably, uh, with Jupiter going through Taurus that there was a big jump in the, uh, market share that MTV had begun to acquire. But anyway, the point is that with Jupiter being, you know, a planet that's associated with fame and notoriety and, uh, you know, to have a new place where we're sourcing fame from reality, from everyday people. Yes. I mean, that could not be more Jupiter and Taurus. That was so like, you know, wow, what a genius interpretation of it. So there, there might also be with Jupiter's new passage through Taurus, a reinvention of the genre, or maybe even we'll start to take a look at how people on the genre are treated. Don't know if you saw the news, but that show Love is Blind. I did see that. Yes. So that kind of conversation, just for your watchers, readers, love is blind is one of the most ridiculous marriage reality shows. It's like a game show effectively. Um, and, um, it is essentially, um, that you, uh, you know, a number of men and a number of women, all of them, uh, straight, um, will go into blind dates, a series of blind dates. They're divided by a wall and they can only hear each other. Um, and they are tasked with determining if there's somebody, um, within this group of, I think it's 12, 18, 20, something like that people on the other side, if there's one person uh, that you'd like to uh, make a commitment with, and the decision is to 
be engaged. One of you will propose to the other. Um, often the man still does propose to the woman, but it goes both ways on that show. And you meet for the first time um, in, in person uh, after the proposal. Um, and then they film you around uh, as you um, prepare uh, for wedding day. And so you've got a, about um, five weeks or something like this, I think, uh, where the you know camera crews are following you around. Um, and then on decision day, you know, everybody comes to the, the wedding and, you know, that's where you make your decision. I either do or I do not. And it's, you know, high drama, high stakes. And of course, it's like absolutely unlikely to develop the strongest relationships. But there are some examples of some, you know, not very many, but a few of the relationships have lasted and been, you know, filled with love and excitement. But some news has been breaking about, you know, how the uh, contestants on this show, that's what I have to call them, you know, <laughs> the contestants on this game show, how they've been treated, that they make the... Um, they're separated from their spouses, sometimes days or weeks at a time. Uh, the cameras are always around. They're not often allowed out of their hotel room. Sometimes they're not given, you know, proper food and nutrition. They may not even have access to water at all times. Uh, they might be, uh, and the, the amount that they get paid is less than $7 an hour, which is less than the federal minimum wage. So like there are so many uh, pieces of the puzzle where um, you know, how reality to, uh, television is filmed, how it's produced, where the money is going and not going. And then there was also, you know, the hosts of the show received a lot of, uh, in, like backlash for, um, what could be seen as, um, uh, you know, a, a way of handling, um, their, you know, their charge, the people on the show with, you know, not a lot of grace, not a lot of empathy, um, kind of some creepy things. I mean, Vanessa Lachey, who was one of the hosts, you know, kept pushing for a love is blind baby. She wanted somebody to have a baby. They wanted a love is blind baby inevitably so that they can film a love is blind show. You can yeah. almost just, get it, you know, that's, it's just where the money is. And she was, you could tell that somebody in a marketing room said, let's, this would be really good for us. And she just didn't have you know, the grace to maneuver how to ask for that. So she's asking every couple who had a smile on their face when they're ready to have kids. It was weird, you know. So um, there have been calls to replace them. I mean, these are the kind of things that this is all Jupiter and Aries. This isn't a new thing, but Jupiter and Taurus is when we might start to see some change, you know, um, or some real investigation into these things. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing to think about, like the, the well, because part of the, you know, them being denied, like the basic necessities of, um yeah. what's required to even be there, like the food and water thing, but the pushing yeah. of extra consumption because they're like, oh, well, there's never a time when my my glass of alcohol wasn't filled to the brim, yeah. you know, yeah. because they're trying to create these conditions. And and why are these people on here anyways? Are they really looking for love or are they looking for fame? You know, like, so the, it's like a whole, you know, connection here, but it, you actually kind of cracked me up when I started to think about the, just the concept of love is blind because yeah. I was like, in my mind, I was like, Mm, this takes me back to my AOL days, uh, way back. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, the last time Jupiter was in, uh, Taurus before, you know, 2011, 2012 was 1999 and 2000. And that yeah. actually was the time that I was all, I was on good old AOL and in, in the, in the punk rock scene. And I actually yeah. love is blind. I met a, uh, a, a partner through, uh, chat <laughs> and, you know, and, and I met actually a couple, at different times and they'd come and visit me and I mean, you'd see them on the other end and you're like, Oh no, I had to pay. I had one guy come from Texas um, oh, who, well. who I had, he would not leave my house and he had no money. And I literally had to pay him to leave my, 
in my house. Oh. Well, um, that's a lot of fun. That sounds terrible. I'm so sorry for um no, it's, it's funny now, yeah, but well, I mean yeah, Jupiter and Taurus is my seventh house too. So uh, okay, so it was okay. I see what was going on. Money was yeah. going out partners at that time with that transit. It's funny, but I, one um, did work out for a couple of years and then I moved across country for that. But just the concept of, of love is blind and like looking yeah, at it there is yeah. kind of funny to me. <laughs> Something else that happened during this time, it was in the 50s when Jupiter was moving through Taurus that the um, structure of DNA was discovered. Oh. Um, and then this last, that, that 99, 2000 period that you were describing, that was when um, there was uh, some in the uh, groundbreaking kind of uh, work to sequence the human genome. So back in, I think it was June 2000, if I remember correctly, that the initial draft of the human genome was announced. And um, so it's like, you know, the, the DNA structure was discovered and now we've got it mapped. I think now Jupiter moving into Taurus is also going to be a very good time to be investing in anything related to DNA sequencing. Um, and if you work in a DNA sequencing environment, so if anybody's listening, they work for Ancestry.com, 23andMe, anything like that. Now is a good time for further investments into your industry, what you're doing. And if you've got a new you know, feature to launch, you know, this would be a good time to do that. Um, I'm not quite sure what the, you know, the relationship is between Jupiter and DNA and Taurus, but that their major advancements have happened when Jupiter has been in Taurus. It might be just be something about um, creation of new life. Uh, Taurus long has an association with fertility goddesses um, and DNA and fertility is a very, there's a clear understanding what's going on there. Oh. It's interesting because at that time too, um, there was a lot of, you know, Uranus being in it. There, there's basically a light up of Taurus and, and uh, Aquarius together because Uranus mm. was in um, Aquarius at that time. And even looking back at the, uh, uh, in the fifties and 52 and 53, uh, that's when the nodal North node was in Aquarius too. So we were having eclipses well, there. Was in Aquarius. So I guess we've got some repeating exactly. there. Yeah. Yeah. And especially from our, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Start with, uh, <laughs> with Jupiter and, and yes. Pluto together. Yes. Um, so just to run down a list, if anybody wants to kind of do their like 20th century uh, and beyond uh, investigation here. So we talked about 2011, 2012, 1999, 2000, 1988, 89, uh, 76, 77, 64, 65, 52, 53, 40, 41. And 28, 29 is in pretty much the last hundred years, if you kind of want to look mm. back. Um I don't know if you had anything else to share in those times, uh, no, way, but no, that's, that's perfect. Cause I, I did want to share, um, cause you know, one of the big things about Jupiter being in Taurus other, you know, we're talking about the Pluto activation, uh, and there's a couple notable things going on, but of course, you know, Jupiter is getting close to this, uh, Jupiter Uranus conjunction, um, yeah. in, in Taurus. And so I was like, Oh, well, let's go back to when Jupiter was moving through Taurus at the same time that Uranus was there. And so yeah. that was in 1857 and 18. 58 uh and they met in a conjunction at 20 29 degrees the last very last degree in may 22nd 1858 but there's some fascinating things that happened around that time have you uh uh wait have you looked into there not specifically and if i did i wouldn't remember i mean it was 18 what year 1858 1857, 1858 because i have a couple examples which i think you might find uh pretty fascinating yeah 
Um, first of all, you, you brought up earlier about just Taurus being, you know, uh, the sign of, of the bull and the yeah. cow and the, yeah. you know, and so, you know, uh, what was, um, founded was, uh, Borden Inc. Um, which Borden the was a milk factory, right? That is like the primary dairy and food distributor and the, who would go on to be the maker of Elmer's glue. You know, you see the cow on is the, the cow right on the front. Wow. Yeah and, yeah. and crazy glue too, which kind of made me, it was kind of funny in my mind because, you know, I think about crazy glue Uranus. is super stuck, you yeah. know, like mm, yeah. <laughs> very Taurus. But it's like the start, right? You know, this is the start of that company. And they went on to be at one time the largest uh, producer of uh, milk and pasta. They they got into pasta, um, mm. among other things. Like so, you wow. like you do, you know, you got yeah, some milk, like you, you do. Some <laughs> pasta. Um, another thing that was interesting to speak to, like the labor uh, unions, right? Uh, uh, in 1857, the National Education Association. Uh, which is the largest labor union in the United States was created. And this is mm. the, this is the union representing public school teachers, yeah. support personnel, faculty, uh, yeah. staffers at colleges and universities, uh, retired educators, yeah. um, and college students. Yeah. This is exactly what we should expect this next time around, maybe with, you know, obviously more of a modern kind of hint to it, but yeah. Wow. Hmm. And and to speak to what you were talking about earlier about food, this is fascinating to me that um, Ingalls Law was created by a statistician, Ernest Ingall, in 1857. And so this is the talking about the economic relationship between the proportion of uh, money that is spent on food mm-hmm. based on your um your family income because the more the more you spend on food in your income uh the more it's an indicator of poverty right because if you as you and so this is like the whole uh basis of like you know the proportion of how to kind of assess uh poverty levels um and in the population based on these food consumption and how much money is being put into it. I did not know about that. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. I was like, what this is. And so when you're talking about this early, I'm like, yes, this is Ingalls law. <laughs> yeah. I promise we didn't compare notes before we came in for the, no, for the that's what I was like, holding my tongue of, the whole yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. We all oh. saw it. We saw you do like this. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, ooh. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, uh. And so, and so another, I mean, there's tons of things going on here, but I think this, this last kind of two things together is pretty fascinating. And that was, um, the, the panic of 1857. Um, have you oh, heard yeah. about the panic? <laughs> well, I never I heard actually, about it, but I have, but I can't remember what it was about. Um, so, and I tried to like, you know, do a, uh, a surface dive on this. And sometimes my mind, when it comes to like economics and I'm like, oh, you know, just give me where's the cliffs notes. Um, but it was a, okay. So it was basically, uh, so, okay. So it was like this financial panic that was created in the United States and a little bit of it was going on in, um, the UK too. Um, and before kind of getting into what the crisis was, the interesting thing about this crisis is that it was actually the first worldwide economic crisis only because the the uh, telegraph had been invented ah. um, uh, in 1844. So it was the first time that like 
economic issues could be broadcast along the world mm-hmm. and it have mm-hmm. like a something on the, on the global um sphere. So that was interesting. But it started with uh this issue of, you know, paper money being backed by gold and silver. Yeah. You know, because there was so much expansion out in, in the West and we had all this, uh, you know, people were finding gold left and right. Yeah, and yeah, so it was a big yeah. boom. But by this time, it, you know, the gold was sort of drying up. And yeah. so there was sort of this this rush of like, okay, well, we have all, the, you know, all this paper money, but is, is it backed by, you know, what? And uh, one of the things that started to contribute to the panic was there was a um, a ship called the SS Central America that was set to go to New York that had sunk with all this gold in it, basically. And oh, they, wow, <laughs> which I know you, you like looking at like, set, oh, I, I love I that feel kind like, of stuff. I love looking at that, but yeah, I, this is not the same panic that I thought it was. I, I'm, I'm not familiar with this at all. There's okay. Lots of panics, wow. but, uh, yeah, so, there are a lot. <laughs> so many panics. So that created, uh, that, started to influence the panic even more because they were waiting on that gold shipment. It never arrived. Um, and, but at the same time, there was tension going on because a lot of money was being put into the railroads and startups of railroads. Cause there were so many people moving back and forth, whether it was like expanding into the Midwest or, you know, people going to do the gold rush. Uh, and there's also the tension between free soil And, you know, slave territories that were going on. Um, And so a lot of people were, you know, banks were backing these, these rail, this railroad industry and was booming, but they, there was so many of these paper railroads that were financially funded, but never became anything. And so railroad stock basically peaked. Um, but at the same time, shortly after, which is, this is interesting because you're just talking about grain, right? So yeah. the oldest flour and grain company failed, uh, and be- and it began a market sell-off at that point. Wow. And because wow. grain was so to speak to what you were just saying earlier, or when we started the program about like the, you know, inflation that can yeah. happen with especially, yeah. uh, Jupiter and Aries and Jupiter in Pisces, right. Too, you yeah. were talking about like, yeah, it was yes. like that whole start. Um, so what happened is like all the, you know, all these farmers, especially in the Midwest, bought these properties to expand their grain production. Um, and so now all of a sudden, before even getting there, you know, you you go from like 250, uh, you know, for grain to 80 cents. And people mm-hmm. had all this land that yeah. was backed and they couldn't sell it for anything. It went from like a thousand dollar plot to you couldn't even sell it for like ten dollars. Right. And so there was this, you know, this drop that rearranged everything. And there was, you know, a failure of the Ohio Life Insurance and Trust Company that had backed a lot of other banks with loans and mortgage holdings because yeah. they failed because of fraudulent activities and management. Um, and then basically wow. all the people out West were starting to really feel it because they didn't have any credit anymore. No, no one right. from the East was giving them credit. Um, so they weren't able to buy anything and, you know, things just weren't, it wasn't generating anything. So, be, you know, decrease of prices, you know, land sales declining, all those things, um, because people had taken so much risk when, you know, the prices were high and everything yes, was going yes, yes, and then, yes. you know, it, it this went is, this there. Is it. 
Yeah, this is it. That's it. That's it. And so it's so what's interesting is that President Buchanan at the time then um, came in. Right. You know, here's government coming in and being like, you know, the root cause is this this paper money. Um, and so they withdrew any type of banknotes that were under twenty dollars, basically. Okay. And they tried to bring, you wow. know, um, the coin supply back up. Uh, but the last fascinating thing I'll say about this period before I get your thoughts uh, on it is that coinciding with all this was the religious revival of 57 through yeah. 59 that started basically in the panic. Because, and so there was this missionary, Jeremiah Lamphere, I think his name is, who he was determined to start a weekly noon prayer meeting for businessmen that would take advantage of the hour when businesses were closed for lunch. And so it started off with, he just put a handbill out there and a couple people arrived. And then a couple weeks later, more people were arriving. And then by like a couple months time, because everything was so uncertain. And so people were turning to this higher power, right? There were, you know, his meetings, you know, all the different church, basically every church was open for these business prayer uh, uh, times where, um, yeah, there, there was like the highest number of conversion of wow. people to, you know, Christianity. Well, you know, just a few life. years before, I'm very familiar with like in the 1840s, like the Millerites and a number of other like religious things that kind of came up. I didn't know anything about what happened in the 50s. Wow. So that'll be interesting. I didn't really look at that period. I didn't, but I can, I can hear uh, at some stage in what you're kind of talking about. There's, there's a Uranian theme in a lot of this about yeah. things like drastically going up, drastically going down. Um, shudders and shocks and fear and yeah. naming something like crazy glue, you know, I mean, crazy glue. I know. You know. Yeah. So it seems like there's, there's probably a pretty big theme. I'll be excited to see how, you know, this, these, these two plants touch things this time around, you know, that'll be, I think, interesting to watch. It will, because I, you know, of course it can th- throw things out of whack and all around, but at the same time, you know, it's a really powerful agent for just change and progress just in general. Yeah. I mean, even the, you know, Buchanan coming out and like being like uh, trying to get the banks on board for more of the federal system, yeah. right. You know, right. to get some right. sort of regulation there. Cause you know, this is a uh, strong, like free market type of energy, yeah. Um, so it was, it was kind of fascinating to, uh, think about and just when, uh, it's cause there's only going to be one pass of the Jupiter conjuncting Uranus and that's going to be, uh, April 20th of, uh, next year in 2024. Yeah. Um, so, and it's interesting too, because it's followed by the sun Jupiter start of the sun Jupiter's synodic cycle, uh, on May 18th, right before exiting at like 28 right. degrees of Taurus. Yeah. Um, so it's like this last hurrah, <laughs> last yeah. hurrah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow. Very interesting. Well, well, we shall look forward to that. And we got a little bit of excitement between now and next year, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's the thing is like history gives us something, but at the same time, there's always new conditions coming in. Yes. Um, yes. We've hopefully learned and gained wisdom from the past, you know, cross our, cross our fingers, uh, there, um, now there's a, a couple things uh real quick to just talk about um before we head to the end. I kind of wanted to pick your brain about thinking about 
uh, two things, I guess. One um, is one is the Jupiter Jupiter and Taurus making that opening sextile to Saturn in Pisces oh, yeah. on June nineteenth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because this is that first uh, you know kind of Ptolemaic aspect since the conjunction back in December yes. of twenty twenty. Yes. So, what, what's your thoughts on that? Okay, so there's no I so Saturn's in Pisces, Jupiter's in Taurus. There's no reception here. I think sometimes people look at that and go, oh, there's a reception. To receive um, a planet, you need to be applied to. And it's like, I can't pick up the phone unless somebody's calling me. So you have to apply for me to be able to receive. Mm-hmm. And you also have to apply from one of my signs. So you not only do you have to call me, but you need to call me from my telephone in my house. Otherwise, I can't receive you. All I can do is answer the phone and answer your question. So what we have here is a situation where Jupiter is calling Saturn and there's a conversation being had, but um, Jupiter is not in one of Saturn's signs. So Saturn's picking up the phone and is not necessarily, um, you know, um, it's not necessarily receiving Jupiter, which the, the, the thing with reception is it creates a dynamic where the applied to planet feels responsible for resolving the needs and concerns of the planet that applied to it. Okay, so that's the whole dynamic. But um, that doesn't exist here. What we have instead is that Jupiter calls Saturn and Saturn happens to be in Jupiter's home. And so there can be in some way uh, Jupiter um, pushing a little bit of expectation on Saturn to do right, to uh, deliver on on what I've asked. Uh, And this is a reversal from what we had with the conjunction in Aquarius where Jupiter applied to Aquarius and Saturn signs. So these two are now leaning more into a positive aspect which is sextile and um there's also there is some harmony in the signs that they're involved with jupiter is in an earth sign earth signs are cold and dry saturn is a cold and dry planet so this is even though it's not a saturn ruled sign this is a good connection for Ju- uh, for saturn and it's one that i think actually could work well for jupiter too so here's what this i think means to me is that whatever was baked in with that conjunction, now is an opportunity for this to continue to be uh, fed, grown, reconstructed. You know, let's ask questions about, we haven't reached the first square yet, so we haven't really reached the first crisis, but this is the first check-in point. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's like that 90-day... Uh, the 90-day um, probation, or uh, yeah, the... <laughs> Exactly right. Actually, the square is probably like the 90-day probationary period. You're still on the new board, new boarding, like, you know, you've just come out of the, the onboarding, you know, You're new learning the ropes. Thing. Yes. And so now there's an expectation that you still have, you know, dewy eyes and you're still super excited about everything that's kind of going on. Now is an opportunity. I think some really positive things could happen. For people who have um uh, you know, um, when did when does this aspect happen also? What's the June nineteenth? June 19th. Right. So this is, I think, going to be an important aspect because um, a month later on the 20th of July, Mars and Saturn come into opposition and it basically kind of stirs up a lot of trouble in those same degrees. Mars will be in Virgo, Saturn will be in Pisces, six degrees each. And that's where that opposition is happening. Saturn, sorry, Jupiter is going to be, you know, in a trine relationship to what's going on here. So actually, you know, what we're seeing um, on the back of this Jupiter um, Saturn sextile, I think that's going to be positive, but I think it's going to be put to the test by external factors and maybe something pushing in a a realm of 
uh, impatience or conflict drive, uh, that's going to happen a month later when, when Mars comes to opposition. So in my horary consultations, if I notice, for instance, that a new job is promised, for instance, on Jupiter's application to Saturn, or maybe I'm seeing, yes, you'll get the money, you know, yes, you'll get the house. I'm also giving all of my clients some caution that a month later, there is a unique vulnerable moment uh, where trouble can get stirred up on whatever's happening underneath that sextile. So it's, it's, it's like good, but read the footnotes. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm like, of course we're sharing everything here. So I'm just going to put up the, just thinking about that because that's, that's where, uh, so, because my other question that I was going to ask you, Wade, was, Mm -hmm. um, thinking about, uh, Venus, you know, yeah. who two days after that opposition you're talking about with Mars and Saturn mm-hmm. is going to go retrograde. Yeah. Um, so there is, yeah, there seems to be this interesting um turning turning of events uh <laughs> and maybe <Yeah>. potential. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there's a lot that's there. kind of going on here that's worth investigating and worth talking about. I mean, Venus has passed the square with Uranus and then it's coming back to the square with Uranus. And actually Venus's recent contacts in this period, she'll be a she'll have been separating from a conjunction with Mars, which happens at the tail end of Leo. And because she's going really, yeah. really slowly, she doesn't make any other contacts and then she retrogrades and then she hits Mercury, who's peregrine and you know, not here. It's Mercury's in its own term here. You can kind of see, but when that conjunction happens, I believe it happens in the terms of Mars. But then Venus again hits the square of Uranus. So actually, during that entire period, so because she, she the, never makes that conjunction, I don't think, right? Because she just she turns slows retrograde down and too then much. Mercury goes retrograde, right? So let's see. Let's so we're follow, following along. Yeah, let's go. And then Mercury's. Oh, you're talking about with Mars? Yeah, because the, the yeah she never. Happened. It already, I think. Oh I yeah, much already, earlier. Yeah, it happened earlier. Mm-hmm. So okay. it'll be around like twenty-two Leo, something like that. I think. Let's uh, let's get our do 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 do. Oh, I don't because have this. Mars is so right. so interesting to me. Yeah, because yeah, she oh. they don't ever make it. Um, because okay, that's kind of part of their cycle is they they do this weird dance and then they back back away. Yes, that it, does happen with them kind of frequently. Can you go forward one more time? And then uh, so it's this in is in twenty twenty four. So this must be a situation where Venus is actually behind Mars that entire time, but then she yeah. slows down. Well, that's exactly. also going to be bringing some problems. Then, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think that I'd look close enough to realize that that well, it gets so done. close, and yeah, then they're like, oh, really but I always not assume quite they yet. got together. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what that would be pointing to then is like, actually, this would be a period where I would expect a lot of relationships to be breaking down. Venus and Mars rule, you know, um, between them four signs out of the 12. Yeah. So they rule one third. So one third of the time Venus is ruling the ascendant and Mars is ruling the descendant or vice versa. So, so many times when relationship things or partnership things are being worked out, it's a one out of three likelihood that those two planets are you know, the driving kind of influences. And if there's a desire to unite and then one of them turns retrograde and turns away, that can really upend things and cause things to turn upside down. So it's probably, you know, worthwhile. And then Venus heads straight to the square with Uranus, which is, you know, that's not the good for, you know, supporting romantic development either. But this whole period from the opposition with Mars and Saturn all the way back to when Venus and Jupiter come closer into their square. Okay. Yeah. And then Venus comes back in squares again. I believe there's two squares with your, uh, yeah, there, there'll be, uh, 
Yeah. So does she square? Oh, uh, oh, how right interesting. So she's squaring Jupiter basically at around the time of the yeah. Jupiter Saturn sextile. Well, that's when she's direct. There'll be one before that as well. Because when um, she goes, there's, I think, one before that. A square to Jupiter? Yeah. Because this is her direct one. And then there's one on August 22nd. Yes. Yeah, this is the retrograde one. And yes, then there'll be yes. one on September 16th when she's direct again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, during that whole period, it's never really a good thing to find a planet and their dispositor and square with each other. It suggests that the mm. body of something and the mind of something are un- are not united. You'll see that everywhere. You'll see it in relationships. You'll, you'll see it in government bodies. You'll see it in everywhere that humans organize. The head of the organization and the body underneath it will not be in agreement. So this would be a period, definitely a period to watch. Well, and what you were talking about earlier about the um, the common versus the, um, what's the terms yeah. you use? Uh, oh, the, yeah, the, the, the upper powers and the common powers. Yeah. yeah. And then being at odds with one another yeah. Um, yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, during this uh, process, Jupiter's slowing down. It's very close to its station retrograde, actually. That station retrograde happens when Jupiter gets enshrined to the sun. Um, and yeah, you can see that that's just a few. Sh- Jupiter hasn't even left the degree. It's still in 15 degrees yeah. of Taurus. So this whole period is going to be like Jupiter stations in the degree that it squares um, Venus Um, and then Venus stations direct and comes back for that square, you know, on the other side, you know, a couple of days later, as you've already shown us. So, um, you know, there's a lot to see and uh, possibly (laughs) a lot to expect coming off of this. But this is a period, you know, I'm anticipating some like. Ooh, some turbulence coming uh, between um, end of July through the beginning of September. Yeah, I think yeah. you are absolutely, absolutely right. And that's going to have, you know, because Jupiter's uh, chiming into all that. Um, and yeah, so we're going to see a lot of that Jupiter and Taurus action that we were talking about um, yeah. come up. Yeah. And so I'm already... <laughs> I'm already, I'm already preparing myself. I want, you know what? I'm going to keep that optimism. I'm going to keep that good expectation. I'm going to yeah. be in the in the the space of growth uh, in in my life. You know, just thinking about all the relationship stuff because obviously that'll be for yeah. us. You know, all us all us fixed fixed risings. You know, we're 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 still in I got it. Yeah, I got a sun and rising and fixed signs. I'm very familiar with it. Yeah. So we're, we're on that, we're on that Jupiter roller coaster. It's coming yeah. around here. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, all right. Well, I mean, we've talked about so many different things and so many, I'm now I'm just like, okay, well, this is where the patience of Taurus settles in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you just gotta wait for it to play out. And so, um, now I know this is like a completely difficult question for people like ourselves that have many words for many things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you pulled into your resources of plucking out one word in your mind that really describes Jupiter and Taurus, or maybe even Jupiter and Taurus this time around, yeah. what, uh, what's the initial, initial thing that comes up? I think, the, I think what I want to say is temperance. Mm. Yeah. Temperance. I think that's a very good word. <laughs> I, it's it's one of my favorites lately. I'm a really big fan of temperance. Um, and I think it's because maybe at many stages in my life, I haven't modeled it, but I also am not seeing it modeled 
you know, around as uh, fluently as it used to be. Um, and I'm joking. I don't know that it ever was, you know, we had. Yeah, it's a bit uh, of a struggle for. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's temperances were given to excess. And so something with Jupiter and Taurus, I'm, in, I'm interested in this idea of forbearance and temperance and temperance right now is kind of what's on my mind. Mm, no, I, th- I think that is a very, it's a wise Wise world, wise world, wise word, Wade. Wise word, say? Wade. Say that three yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. WWW. Yeah. Um, what is my? I didn't really think about it, but <laughs> let's see. Mm, that is, that is a good one. Um, the word that came out for me was hold. <laughs> okay. Well, let's sit with it. Hold. Well, and I mean, that might speak to a little bit of what you're saying about temperance and like even looking at the past here or like some of the like erratic, um, you know, movements, especially when we think about like Jupiter getting closer to Uranus. And maybe sometimes it's like maybe actually holding. Yeah, I was just thinking. It could be knowing what you hold and why and the value of that hold <laughs> yeah i was thinking about how that word is so Turian because it can mean hold it can mean hold it can mean to hold you know to hold within outside within without you know to support um a place where things are stored a hold mm, that's true a verb but a noun huh. powerful word you chose actually I think. yeah i closed my eyes and it came from a heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also I'm thinking about um, Jupiter and Taurus and how appropriate, the, you know, so many businesses end with such and such holdings, for instance. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so oh, yeah. You aced the test. You aced it. <laughs> Yay. Now I have this song in my head. No wind, hold them. There you no go. wind to fold them. <laughs> yeah, got to no win. Yeah, gotta, that's exactly gotta right. Got no win. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, Wade. Well, this is so fun to talk about uh, Jupiter and Taurus with you. Um, yeah, Thank we're you. Gonna I have enjoyed to it too. Wait and see. Wait and see. That's exactly so, right. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, where where can people find you? What do you got going on? Well, the easiest way for people to find me is to find me on my website, wadecaves.com. Everything that's updated and recent will be there. I'm also on Twitter at Wade Caves, Instagram at Wade Caves. I teach for the School of Traditional Astrology. And um, if folks want to get on my newsletter, which I, I agree, I think they should. I think people should. You I know, think subscribe. they should. You can just go to my webpage and at the bottom, there'll be a link to subscribe to, um, to, to subscribe. My, I, I would advertise where my newsletter is published, but I think it's just been picked up and it's moving to a new home, which is exciting. Oh. I just started it on this new place. And then I got a message like, hey, we'd like you to come join this and or start this. And uh, so I, I'm not announcing too much about any of it yet because it's not done. But um, so I'm just going to say, just find me on my website. And that's where, you know, my most up-to-date information about where my work is that can be found. Yeah. And I will give a shout out to Wade in your recent uh, webinars you've been doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining those. I've been having so much fun with it. I've got um, an out, outer planet series going on right now. So I've just finished up an introduction into like how to think about the outer planets, how I've been thinking about them. And then now we're going to do a Pluto and Aquarius, Uranus and Gemini and Neptune and Aries series. But it's not all outer planets. I mean, we talk, I, I give hor- horary demonstrations. I do live consultations on those webinars sometimes. 
Um, I do mundane talks. It's literally just about everything. So um, yeah, if you are interested in learning, again, get on the newsletter. That's where, or on my social media, um, Twitter, I will always publish information about the webinars on Twitter. Sometimes I forget about Instagram. <laughs> That's okay. You know, I'll get better about that. But. It's Well, you don't need to. It's like, uh, you go, you do what you do. I have to swear the uh, whole social media thing. And I say it, I say that in this space of the program every single time I record a program. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, oh, social media, you know, I, yeah. I get it, but I don't want to get it. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, no pressure, no pressure. Right. Um, so, all right. Well, you know, um, I will, of course, have a blog post for our uh, program here today, which will share uh, Wade's information over at energeticprinciples.com. I'd like to say that you inspired me to do uh, my own webinar coming up because I really liked your model and I was having fun in your, you know, like just bringing things forward. And I was like, I kind of want to do that. So I started, (laughs) I started my own. uh, I have a webinar coming up here on. What's it about? uh, I don't know. I, it's on Mother's Day and Mercury is stationing direct. So is that the right time? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Um, but it is, uh, you know, I'm just throwing things out there. See what, yeah. what happens. But it's on uh, overlaying the tarot uh, with the natal chart. And right. so looking at um, esoteric uh, associations with the tarot um, and decans and how that puts an interesting spin on looking at natal placements um, and, you know, the, the stories uh, and the wins and the struggles that people uh, tend to go um, through, whether yeah. it's very publicly or just internally and other people don't see it. Um, Cause I find it very powerful uh, as a tool. And so I want to share that with others. So if you're interested in such things, it's going to be on May 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific. Um, and I'll have a sign up link here below wherever you're listening or watching this. Um, and of course, there'll be a replay if you can't show up that day. Um, if you got Mother's Day plans or you're just busy or you just want to watch it like five times afterwards, you know, it'll all be there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at Energetic Principles, uh, where I'm there sometimes. I'm always sharing stories. I think mm. I'm a story person. I'm like, get it in, get it out. This is what I'm seeing. Be. You might be, you know, just yeah. in and out, in and out. It's my, this is my Uranus on the ascendant. Like <laughs> there I'm gone. There I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right. Well, um, I have a newsletter as well that goes out at the beginning of the month called the heavenly wind. So if you have not signed up for that yet, and you would like to know what goes on each month, um, come, come sign up energeticprinciples.com. So, all right. What do I have to say here? Well, wherever you're listening to this, leave a review, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, tell Wade and I what you what you think about Jupiter and Taurus and what you think it's going to bring, or even have insight to some of the other times that we brought up. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. Uh, share with a friend, pass on the good word, of <laughs> the good word of Jupiter and Taurus. Um, I think that, I think that is it. Wade, I'm so glad you were able to join me again on the podcast. It's such a treat to have you on. I'm so grateful to be invited. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Well, uh, good luck with uh, Jupiter and Taurus and especially uh, Pluto lighten up the skies. We'll see you on the other side. And as always, (laughs) may the stars be with you. 